My Eagle enthusiasts, it's Fairway Rolling, presented by FanDuel. Major season is here, and you can get in on all the long drives, big putts, and major moments with FanDuel. Check out live PGA Tour bets like longest drive, round leaders, matchups, birdie or better, and more. Plus, track every shot in the app and watch select par three holes while you place your bets. Download the app today and bet with FanDuel, the official betting operator of the PGA Tour. Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. You must be 21 years old or older and present in select states. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. With over 122 million parts from superchargers and brakes to exhaust kits and beyond, eBay Motors levels your baby up to its peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hey, my birdie buddies. Here we are. The last major of the golf season. Here on Fairway Rolling, brought to you by our outstanding friends, at Callaway Golf, if you want to see the championship version of Royal Portrush Golf Club in actual championship conditions, you have to see this video, a collaboration between Players Tribune and Callaway Golf. They got New York Giants wide receiver Golden Tate to fly out to Northern Ireland. Golden Tate, by the way, an excellent golfer. Wait till you see his swing. You'll understand what I'm saying. Last month, he flew out and he played Royal Portrush, and they captured the whole thing in this, this collaboration. It was Golden's first ever trip to Northern Ireland. If you want to get your, your mind's eye around how this golf course is going to look and how it's going to play, it's lush, it's green, it's windy. Everybody's wearing sweaters and pants. The name of the video is called A Journey North, and it's going to get you right into the Open Championship mood. It's available right now at CallawayGolf.com. Golden Tate playing Royal Portrush Golf Club, A Journey North. My par-saving pals, this episode of Fairway Rolling also brought to you by Destination Kohler in Kohler, Wisconsin, home of Whistling Straits and Black Wolf Run. Golf Digest has ranked all four Kohler courses in the top 100 of America's public courses. Those are courses that you can play. It is home of the upcoming 2020 Ryder Cup and one of Pete Dye's most intimidating par threes, number 17, known as Pinched Nerve. Gather your birdie buddies for the ultimate tournament-style summer golf experience get rolling to destinationcolor.com to book your package today that's destinationcolor.com
Hello, friends, and welcome to this golf podcast. Unlike any other, oh, my friends, it is the final major of the season. It is a sacred moment here on Fairway Roll. The golf podcast on the Ringer Podcast Network. I am your starter, Joe House, channeling my very best, Ivor Robson, on the occasion of this terrific Open Championship. Too many outstanding storylines. We had to hit up our friends at Golf Digest, Alex Myers, senior writer at Golf Digest and host of The Grind, great digital media show that he does, came on to help us work through all of the storylines and also give out a couple names that we're looking at early in the week here. And of course, Megan Schuster is available to walk us through a couple of interesting tidbits happening on the golf social scene. We also talk a little bit about some scripting that's going on out there. The first tee appears to be open. I'm going to walk up there and try and let out a little shaft with a two iron in honor of the Open Championship. Let's get into it with Alex Myers. All right, my birdie buddies. Now joining us from Golf Digest. He is a senior writer there. He is host of the grind, which is a multimedia digital platform, the, the leading digital show that captures all shenanigans going on in the golf world. Now on the tee from the USA, Alex Myers. <laughs> Thanks for that intro. I love shenanigans. It's one of my favorite words. So I, I like that you got that in there. Well, I, I have to be honest with you. I watch the grind religiously and <laughs> I, I admire that it, it typically, you know, captures m my sensibility in terms of the things I'm personally interested in. And it's lots and lots of shenanigans, Myers. That's right. That's right. I love shenanigans. Keep them coming. There we go. So, and, and there's been no shortage, uh, this golf season. Um, but we are on the brink of a hallowed moment in the golf schedule. We have the, the, the sacred open championship in front of us. This will be the 148th competing. And there are a lot of very interesting storylines going into, uh, are we going to call it the open championship or are we going to call it the British open? What, what's your vote? That, well, that's the thing. I mean, it's kind of crazy this year, right? Because it's not in great Britain. Uh, for only the second time, and the first time since 1951. So I always have this argument uh, with our Scottish friend, uh, John Huggin, and he's one of these, you know, adamant, it's the Open, don't how dare you call it the British Open. And now this year, he actually has a point. So I really hate that, that he is actually right this year. We really can't call it the British Open this year, but I'm still going to call it the British Open because I'm lazy. <laughs> okay, so, <laughs> so am I. And I, I think our fairway rolling listeners, uh, by and large, uh, think of it as as the British Open as well. Right. So I think we, we, that that's the way um, we're going to roll with it. Uh, you mentioned it being competed in Northern Ireland. It's the first time at Royal Portrush, the Royal Portrush Golf Club since 1951, 54? One. 51. 51. Yep, that's yes, right. right. Yeah, Max, uh, Max Faulkner won that year. I'm sure we all remember that victory. It was a very big 
big moment in golf history, Max Faulkner. Congratulations to Max <laughs> and all of his survivors, because I don't believe he's still with us. But um, No, he isn't, but he has a Wikipedia page solely because he won that tournament. So, yes, well done. Well, I, I want to begin with this proposition. Uh, saw the preview that the homie Kyle Porter from CBS Sports did, and he made mm. the point, uh, a point that I agree with, which is why I'm giving him the shout-out, that the, the Open Championship, the British Open, should be the last major of the year. That the way the schedule mm. has been reconfigured, um, you know, with the PGA Championship being re-slotted into May... It does provide a kind of uh, a building momentum, a, a narrative that has what feels like a natural uh, conclusion with the, the the British Open as the the culmination of major season here at the end of, of July. What do you think about that? Well, considering that they always call the winner the champion golfer of the year, uh, I guess that does make sense. I, I agree with that. If if, if we're gonna hold this, you know, oldest major championship up to maybe even a, a different standard, then yeah, it probably deserves to go last. I think, you know, obviously that schedule change benefited the PGA, I think, uh, more than anybody though, because now it's kind of in the middle of the major season. When it was in August, people kind of forgot about it. Everybody was away for vacation or whatever, uh, but nobody forgets about the British Open. I mean, how can you? It's obviously uh, one of the, you know, the most unique events on the calendar and, and certainly uh, one of the most interesting. And, and for those of us here in the States, it occurs uh, at a time of day you know, we're enjoying breakfast and, and, and right. watching championship golf and it goes into sort of lunchtime. It's a very cool summer tradition um, for, for us golf fanatics, right? Yeah, definitely. And, you know, you can wrap up on the weekend. I know a lot of people like to play golf before the Masters final round comes on or whatever. They have the tradition. That's cool, too. But this way you wake up, you watch the, you know, Saturday and Sunday, and then you can go out and still play if you want. So um, I, I like that. Um, you know, waking up at maybe, but I'm going to set my alarm earlier this week, put it that way, of course, but I'm still not doing the, the Tiger Woods 1am wake up call. I mean, that was insane, but, uh, I'll be waking up early, definitely. And especially on Friday, cause Tiger is actually teeing off at 5am East coast. Now you're, are you, if you're on the West coast, man, that's 2am. You might as well not even go to bed. That that's a little, that's a little nuts. That's just stay up and enjoy yourself. Time. Yeah, just stay I mean, up. party all that, night. Yeah, that's exactly right. And, and catch Tiger on the uh, on the back end there. Um, so let's talk a little bit about you know the the setting of, of this. You know, Northern Ireland. Um, it's been well documented. Had its troubles, known as the Troubles, which lasted <laughs> about thirty years. You know, civil unrest. Um, for political and religious reasons that had a chilling effect on the country's ability to host. But the thing that really, you know, make it a uh, uh, return it to the British open rota is what they, like, they like to call it. Um, but, but that we had three major winners uh, uh, across six major championships in, in the um, 2010, 2011 timeframe all hailing from this tiny country, Northern Ireland. You had uh, Graham McDowell winning the 2010 U.S. Open. Uh, Rory won the 2011 U.S. Open. And uh, Darren Clark won the 2011 Open Championship. And so, you know, there, there, there was uh, 
a lot of attention paid to Northern Ireland and, and folks point to that as kind of the, the thing that really galvanized the interest of the RNA, uh, Peter Dawson, um, you know, chiefly, and, and they went ahead and put the Irish open in 2012 at this golf course, just as I think as a kind of a test run to see whether they could pull it off. Right. And apparently it went, it went smashing, um, smashing, yep. smashing, uh, th- there have been stories percolating about how big of an event this is going to be for Northern Ireland. Have you seen some of these tales? Yeah. I mean, you know, it's certainly the biggest, because obviously, you know, we, we mentioned that poor rush hosted in 1951, but that was a different world back then. I mean, they probably had about 10 people out there watching the tournament that right. back then, but, uh, you know, this is certainly going to be the biggest sporting event in the country's history. And I know some people are calling it the biggest event period in the country's history. I mean, you're right. I mean, it's a small, small country. Um, you know, it's, it's, it, and, and certainly that run of major champs from Northern Ireland, like you said, put a, such a spotlight on this area saying, wow, this is, uh, you know, an incredible area for golf. Um, they have the great courses. They now have the great players. Uh, certainly thrusted back into the limelight. Um, certainly Rory McIlroy since then even went on to win, obviously three more majors and counting. And, and um, it, you know, it, those guys in particular are obviously more excited than anyone that Northern Ireland gets to host, um, you know, what they consider to be the biggest event in golf, of course, the open championship. So it, there's just so much buildup to this one, uh, maybe so than, than any other event, just because obviously the long layoff, but also like you mentioned, you know, all the political unrest and everything else that that, that country's gone through, you know, they, they certainly want, uh, you know, an uplifting week uh, with, with this tournament. So two, two things on, on that note that I know I ran across in the, in the research um, for, for preparing for this week. Apparently, every single ticket to the entirety of all four rounds has been sold out and has been sold yes. out for for some uh, number of time to- amount of time. And that is yep. a first. I don't I don't think it's a first in the history of the competing of the Open Championship, but it's definitely like a modern modern era first. There there had yes. been this this tradition of uh, you know fans that are interested in seeing the tournament were able to walk up day of and do some day of tickets and go in and walk the grounds and so forth. Not so. Here at, at Royal Portrush, every single ticket that was available is gone. Um, yep. But the 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 other uh, element um, to touch on your observation uh, about sort of the significance of of this, uh, Graham McDowell um, has been giving lots of interviews and talking to publications and and uh, various media outlets, and he made this observation about the sense of patriotism that mm. was something that he observed for the first time in a genuine way when he left Northern Ireland and came to the United States to compete in golf here in, in college, he was down in the South. I think, did he go to Alabama? Where did he go? UAB, Birmingham, Alabama, Birmingham. Alabama, yeah. Birmingham, exactly. And what a revelation it was to find that the, the sort of sense he, 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 ex- he expressed it both in terms of the, the rabid um, fan base, the, the sporting community that he encountered down South, um, mm-hmm. in terms of the, the loyalty that, that folks have to their schools, but also just the general sense of patriotism and how that was something that he felt like he hadn't experienced growing up in Northern Ireland, but he thinks is potentially um, going to be restored as a, as a part of 
this this open championship, you know, really putting Northern Ireland on the map. So, you know, no pressure, <laughs> no yeah, pressure, right. Northern Ireland, no pressure, Rory McIlroy or Graham McDowell yeah. or or uh, Darren Clark. But you know, the spotlight is on. Um, and by all indications, everything that I've seen so far, it it looks spectacular. I mean, yes, the the, the uh, sort of early. Um, you know, media stuff. What, what have you seen that's caught your eye? Yeah. Well, I mean, like you said, the course, uh, for what we've seen looks spectacular. I'm actually, I've gone to five of the last six open championships. I'm disappointed. I'm not going this year just because of how good this place looks. Now I did, you know, there, there was some trepidation over logistics, um, and, and how this would work out. Like you mentioned, they did use the, the 2012 Irish open as, as kind of a test run. Um, but certainly this is a bigger, uh, a bigger operation this time. And, you know, between, uh, fans and media and everybody else trying to get in and out. I mean, this is a small place they're going to that's at the tip of Northern Ireland. Uh, there's certainly, I bet, I bet we'll hear some, you know, some traffic stories at some point, or at least some bitching from some, uh, certain golf riders, but, uh, no, it, it looks tremendous. Uh, it, it, they've gotten a lot of rain, so it actually looks, you know, last year, if you remember Carnoustie, it was about as brown as, of a golf course as you could get. And, and, you know, it's kind of a win-win for these open courses because when it's brown like that, we go, oh, that's how golf's meant to be played. When it's brown over here, we say, oh, the course looks like crap. But uh, when it's green over there, we say, oh, man, this is even better. So that's kind of the situation we have this year at Portrush. Um, it's gotten some rain. Uh, it looks very lush. And, uh, you know, it's interesting because uh, I, I've been trying to think, I mean, it's tough to think of another major venue that before a major championship, they brought in, they created two entirely new golf holes. Um, and that's what they've done here. They actually, the, this is a great course, always has been revered as a, as a great course, uh, one of the best in the world. But the 17th and 18th holes were actually a little underwhelming and not really as good as the rest of the course. They've lopped off those 17 and 18 poles. They've used land from the adjoining course to create a new seventh and eighth hole. And now, and so those holes behind that have gotten pushed back. So, you know, the old 16th is now the 18th and so on. Um, so that's quite a, an operation done there uh, by Martin Ebert. He, he was in charge of that renovation. So to have that much happen uh, on top of all these other things that we're talking about, it certainly is a lot of pressure um, on this course, on this community, um, and, and yes, on the kind of the unofficial hosts, uh, those those Northern Irish golfers this week. Yeah, the, the uh, I'm glad you made the observation about the course renovation. So when we get uh, talking about our, our prognostication, our forecast for potential uh, champion, um, we're not really going to be able to look back to the 2012 Irish Open and glean right. a, a ton because the golf course is different. They went through an 18-month renovation headed by Martin Ebert. You mentioned it. Five new greens, eight new tee boxes. Uh, long par five that was not was not part of the golf course is now on, mm. on the front, number number seven. And, you know, they, they uh, that was one of the, logis the logistical challenges. Um, you know, the, the Open Championship has – the storied history of of the amphitheater surrounding the 18th um, green and and the fairway as the players 
approach, and they couldn't do do that. The logistics wouldn't permit that with the old routing, and so they right. they um, you know they basically grabbed they lopped off the 17th and 18th, and they're using that for the traditional spectator village. They have that land there, and and now using as you mentioned um, the 16th as the new 18. And you, when you look online, you can see the the amphitheater set up. It has that very traditional closing hole appearance of every uh, open championship course with the exception of St. Andrews because St. Andrews just has the the building in in the in the rear right, of it. Right. But but um let's talk a little bit about um the the things that we both heard are going to be the key sort of elements of success at Royal Port Rush. Um beginning with uh, as always, the most unpredictable variable, which is the weather. A lot of folks are positing that the scoring could be low um, if the wind stays down. There is right now rain kind of in the forecast. Um, it seems like the weather forecast is changing every 12 hours in terms of the right. se- potential severity of the winds, which I think is is also very reflective of what we see in in the, in the mm-hmm. British Open. Um, are you are you uh, honing in on anything right now in terms of a particular uh, uh, weather pattern? You know, not really, because like you said, it changes so much. I mean, we mentioned before this this isn't in Great Britain, but it's still in the UK, and and certainly like Scotland, especially uh, you know the weather can change just in the blink of an eye over there. So, uh, but but yeah, I mean, certainly we're not going to see too much difference in the temperature. Um, it's going to be low sixties pretty much every day. Probably when they go up early, it'll still be fifties. So it's not, you know, it's not going to be warm. Um, and, and it's going to rain. Yeah. It's going to rain probably off and on throughout the week. There's rain, uh, probably a 50% chance of rain, uh, projected for every day. Um, and, but what's interesting, like you said, I mean, the wind changes so many things that rain, if it's just a little drizzle, it almost helps the guys because obviously it softens the course up. If that right. wind picks up though, and that rain's coming in sideways, that's when it becomes annoying. And, you know, that's when you start to look for maybe some of the more, the mutters to kind of step up where we're, you know, other guys who are more fair weather guys, that, that, that's where it hurts them. But overall, I mean, you know, it doesn't look like the wind is supposed to be too crazy. Look, something like the 15 mile per hour range uh, on a daily basis, which, which I think is pretty typical over there. Um, n- nothing too crazy. Yeah, so uh, it's it's Monday that we're recording this. Our, our guidance to everybody is check back in on Wednesday and, <laughs> and look up look up the weather forecast over there at Port Rush Wednesday to to get a feel for how it's going to behave. Right, exactly. Because I mean, you know, we always talk about the luck of the draw, and that really comes from this tournament specifically. I mean, you it, there's almost there's a very often a pretty stark contrast between the scores of. Um, you know, the late early wave versus the early late wave. I mean, you, you can have years, uh, the 2010 open at St. Andrews jumps out where Louis Oosthuizen got the, the luck of the draw, obviously got up to a nice start. And then he just cruised to a win. He was so far ahead of everybody because he got the benefit, benefit of, of the good weather. So, you know, th- that's definitely something to look for, but, but you're right. I mean, until Wednesday night, it's kind of tough to hone in on that. Yeah, exactly. So uh, I want to, See if you and I can come up with a handful of names. I, I know that you already uh, listed out Golf Digest. It's up today, uh, golfdigest.com. 
you can check out Alex's work on 13 potential winners. Um, so I know that you have some names in mind. I wanted to bounce a couple of trends off of you because I, I believe it to be the case that the Open Championship, more than any of the other um, majors, favors guys that are, are really in form. So there are a couple of, of trends over the last handful of years. Five of the past six Open Champs won at least one event in their previous five starts. The the outlier there was Zach Johnson back in 2015, and he he had three straight top tens, so he was also in in form. Uh, four of the past six champs had a win in one of their two previous starts, and then there's a whole nother set of of considerations here i want to i want to share with you S- since 1995 if we're sort of looking for bigger picture context because we kind of just hit the most recent um kind of trend lines and looking for for guys in form since 1995 american golfers have won 14 times so they've gone 14 and 11 and then of the 14 americans who won eight of them had previously won a non-British Open major, so uh, you know if if you're if you're looking uh, for 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 something here now. Now here here's the 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 real sort of clincher for trying to really drive the funnel down. Only twice in that 25 year stretch have two years gone by where the champ was was not American. So. It's been virtually every time that a non-American, those in those eleven instances that a non-American won, virtually every single other time, an American jump up and won the following year. Shout out uh, 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 Shane Ryan for this, Patty Power. I had to give him a little a little love for, <laughs> for some of these trends. So with with those kind of sort of trend lines in in place, you know, recent form being at a premium. Molinari won last year, so maybe that suggests right. an American uh, <laughs> is, is likely this year. Eight out of the fourteen Americans, you know, are major winners. That really starts to to shrink the potential pool of winners for right. this. If you subscribe to this this trend line kind of theory, um, wh- what's your who, who's right now? Your gut. It's only Monday, but who's who's in your gut right now? Who's your leading contender right now? My gut to win. Is I don't know how you can't say Brooks Kepka. I mean, yeah, sure. And I've learned my lesson these last couple of years. I really just uh, I after he after he almost won at Pebble, which by the way, I mean when he birdied four of the first five holes and made that incredible par on the second hole, um, I, and I was I mean I was out there. I mean just the buzz was just so you could feel it. I mean we were watching history and and shout out to Jer- uh, Gary Woodland because he held off. Uh, you know, an all-time great player. Let's be honest here, and Brooks Kepka uh, to to win that that major, that first major. But when he did that, it just seemed wow. This guy's going to win again. It's going to be five out of nine. Um, and I said right then, I said I'm I'm picking this guy to win every major at least for the next few. I mean, because you just he's that good. I mean, he's always in it. Uh, out of the last four, he's finished in the. Uh, either one or two all four times uh, obviously again he's won four out of nine and you know in an event like this too i, I know he's is actually his british open track record isn't quite as strong as these other majors but it really comes down to ball striking it, it, especially in 
bad weather, and if we do see any bad weather, no one hits the ball on the screws more solidly, more more consistently than this guy. So, um, and then there's the, the added element of the local knowledge. Brooks Kepka's caddy, Ricky Elliott, grew up in Portrush. He he was a member at the club um, right down the street from Royal Portrush. He knows the course very well. He was a great junior player in his own right. He, he obviously didn't make it quite make it to the, the pro level, but he's still a great golfer and he, he's obviously a great caddy. And and you know, at a at a week where not a lot of guys know a lot about the course, Brooks Kepka is certainly going to know more about Royal Portrush than just about everybody else there. Yeah, it's an incredible. Uh, I don't. I don't think it. It was. Uh, you, you can say it's just dumb luck. It's not dumb luck that he has um, the the gentleman as his as his caddy. Um, and you know, Royal Portrush has been uh, on the road. It was. It's a known uh, quantity. You know, for some time now. Uh, right. I don't imagine that Brooks selected the gentleman to be his caddy <laughs> purely on on those grounds. But you know oh, you're, you're you're you are right. Um, just by sort of comparison on, on a comparison basis, Brooks has played less well at the Open Championship at the British Open than he has right. in the in the other majors. But he still has you know two top tens. And your point about you know we we just keep we have to pick him until further notice. It, and it's crazy because you know we keep saying that though, and now. Who's the favorite this week? Rory McIlroy, not Brooks Kepka, and he still hasn't been a solo favorite um, at a major. And yet he's on this historic tear, and so and you know we we always joke about how this guy's always looking for ways, uh, you know, motivation. He's got this chip on his shoulder. Well, I'd have a chip on my shoulder too if I wasn't favorite after what I've done. I mean, Rory McIlroy, great player, obviously, and and has played as consistent of good golf as anyone this year, but he's a guy who's coming up on a five-year drought in the majors. Now I know he's got, you know, we talk about the local knowledge. He of course has probably more than anybody at this event, but if I'm Brooks Kepka and I've uh, won as many majors as Rory has in his career in the last two years, I'd be a little ticked that I'm not the favorite over this guy. So uh, I, I just think that, you know, he, he's the favorite, the hands down favorite until further notice. And going back to the caddy thing, you know, it's funny because um, we, we did a piece uh, recently, Dave Shedlowski, on how kind of this uh, home field advantage in golf is a little overrated. And certainly it's a small sample size of guys who kind of go back to their home course and get to play a major. I know Colin Montgomery was the famous example. He grew up uh, at Royal True and he never really did well there. There's just so much pressure on these guys. But the caddies, it's a little different. And if you think just back to 2015, Chambers Bay, which is kind of an unknown place, Jordan Spieth's caddy, Michael Greller, that's where he worked as a caddy, Chambers Bay. And look who won that week, Jordan Spieth. So again, I do think there there might be something for Brooks. It certainly doesn't hurt that he's got Ricky Elliott uh, on his back. Yeah, I, I, I love it. And, you know, uh, the the stats reflecting the superlative performance of Brooks uh, uh, since the beginning of 2017 are, are just un, unimpeachable. He's he's 64 yeah. uh, under par in major championships. That's 35 strokes better than anyone else in, in that <laughs> span. He's, he's either led or Crazy. co-led 13 major championship rounds since the beginning of 2017. That's more than twice as many as any other uh, a player in that yeah. stretch. And, and of those 13... Um, rounds that he's either led or co-led. This is the 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 segue I want to make. Only one has come at the Open Championship, 
And that was mm. the first round back in 2017. He shot a 65, and he sh- and he finished uh, sixth in the Open Championship there. Now we 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 mentioned Rory. I want to just go through right. some stats because if we if if this event was not in Northern Ireland, uh, I just wonder how we would feel about it. This, this, his his resume. He has four top five finishes in the past five years at the Open Championship. That's the most. He has the best right. score in relation to par at the Open Championship over the past five years. He has the best scoring right. average in the Open Championship <laughs> over the, the past five years. He's he's second in birdies and eagles per round. He's second in most rounds in the 60s. And that is a very interesting stat because he missed one of these effing opens <laughs> because he was having a kickabout with his boys. So, you know, <laughs> exactly. he only he only had he's only played in four of the last five, but he's still second out of all the golfers right. that are competing in the open championship in rounds in the 60s. And, you know, if, if you want to talk about guys that are comfortable playing link style golf. You have to start with, with with Rory because it's a it's it's an uh, again an unimpeachable resume. The thing that has everybody tapping the brakes. If we just called him Player A, if we didn't call him Rory McIlroy, we went through those stats. You would say, "Oh, I have to go gamble on this guy. We have to bet him. He's going to mm-hmm. win. He has got as good a chance as anybody." I mean, obviously, the sixty-one that he shot when he was sixteen years old. At this right. venue now, it's a different golf course than than when he was 16 years old. But still, right. that there, you know, the that that uh, that legacy lives. He gets to set foot on the same grounds where he did that thing when he was 16 years old. Like you know, comes up out of the ground and energizes his body. But the the concern is, speaking of energizing his 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 body, how electric is it going to be among the the, the support there? And do we have anything we can we can um, point to in terms of modern professional golf, uh, where a crowd willed a player to an outstanding performance? That the the two that that come to mind to me, um, a little bit of Tiger Woods over like the the last you know a couple instances, including. Um, the Masters this year. Uh, mm-hmm. Now it, it was a supportive crowd. I wouldn't. I don't know that I would necessarily say that the crowd helped Tiger will because Tiger's will doesn't need any 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 support really. Um, but I, I can't think of other examples where you know a, a crowd was so in the bag for a particular player and had the effect of elevating that player's performance. Is there anything you can think of along those lines? You know what's funny? The one thing that jumps out, and he's a guy who was in the news over the weekend, uh, is Andrew Beef Johnston yeah. at, uh, in 2016. Now, he finished a million shots behind Phil Mickelson and Henrik Stenton, as everybody else did. But I yes. tell you what, I have never seen anything like it. I, I walked the front nine with him uh, that Sunday. You've ne- nonstop. Like, I felt bad. I think he was playing with with Bill Haas that day. I felt bad for the people playing with him. I felt bad for even for him. He, he must've been tired from just waving to everyone. People were screaming beef nonstop. I mean, they had to be yelled at to stop just so he could hit a shot. So, you know, and so that was, I've never seen anything like that. I've never seen support like that, but you're right. This might be like that um, in terms of electricity that, you know, again, we talk about these, these Northern Irish golf fans have been waiting so long for a moment like this. And not only do they get this moment, but they have, you know, at least the Vegas favorite as their guy. So yeah. uh, it is going to be something else. But uh, again, it just 
Mm, I just, I almost think it's a tough spot for Rory. You know, he grew up just an hour away from here in Hollywood, uh, Northern Ireland. He's going to have so much support, so you know, so many people watching there, and just so much pressure on him. And and as we've seen every year, uh, what the last four or five years at the Masters, where he's had a chance to complete the Career Grand Slam, when there's this much hype and this much buildup for for him specifically at an event. He just has not been able to get over the hump, and usually that's because there's a slow start. Then he, you know, he's so talented that he ends up rallying, and that's why that's why even when we we think, oh, he had a bad week, he still ends up finishing in the top ten. He's just so good. Um, he's finished in the top ten 11 of 14 starts this year, which is crazy. But uh, to actually win here, it's going to be really tough because, as you mentioned, it's it, it really might be a scene unlike we've ever seen before um, in terms of a, a top player at a at a home venue. Uh, with the crowd just going absolutely berserk. Yeah, it it does feel like too much, and I agree with you. If we're looking for a reference point and 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 Rory's ability to respond to the pressure, he's had the Masters within his grasp a couple of times over the last handful mm. of years, and especially you know I I think about the tee ball he hit on the first hole when he and Patrick Reed were basically, you know, it was going to yeah. be a match, match yeah. play event and he blasts one damn near out of bounds. Now he did rally and, 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 and save, I think bogey on that hole. And they could have immediately um, changed things on the second hole. And then he, he missed a short birdie on, on the second hole. And it just eagle. was, was he missed a, a short eagle. eagle. That was what it was. Yeah. It was a short eagle. You're absolutely that right. It was like to, to tie for the leader and right. Exactly. You're right. It was right there for him to seize. Everybody expected him to do it. And he didn't do it. And and yeah. it's tough because he's just so good and he won so many majors so quickly and at such a young age that we just expect the world out of him. And and he's still he's had an incredible season this year, but he does not have a major win. He does not have a major win in almost five years. And when you when you have those expectations thrust on you because you're so good, you know, we start to pick him apart. And uh, it's tough because that's just the price you pay for being that good. But, That's but again, right. it comes to, yeah, it's, it's tough. And, and again, like we talked about before for this to be the final major of the year too. So you have that extra pressure of, Oh man, if I don't win this one, I got to wait all the way till, till April again. And then everybody's going to be talking about the career grand slam again. So it's, it's a tough spot for him. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm rooting for him. I, I, I love sure. the story. Oh, sure. I know you're rooting for a story also, but yeah, but, sure. yeah I, we, it just it just feels like too too good to be true. Although we just yep. we did just have a too good to be true moment at the Masters. Uh, speaking of we too did. good to be true and 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 the Masters, <laughs> let's let's do a quick uh, hit on this week in Tiger Woods. Tiger, Tiger, Tiger Woods. <laughs> so Tiger hasn't played since uh, the U.S. Open, Alex, um, and there isn't a great record of guys. Doing that, I have another little factoid to share with you. Not sure if you uh, maybe you've already seen it. The last time, I'll ask you, I'll just ask you. The last time a player competed in the U.S. Open and then showed up at the British Open and won without playing competitively at all between those two events was who in what year? Tiger in 2006. Oh, so that's interesting. Maybe. Uh, I. I think he played an event in between there. Did he play? Okay. It was in one of his layups. The, the data element that I have suggests it was none other than Johnny Miller in 1976. Wow. Okay. So it's, Very nice. It's been a long time. Um, and it also, time. yeah, it, it also does, you know, kind of make a, a type of intuitive sense when we've 
highlighted some of these trend lines about guys, you know, needing to be kind of in form. You can't show up at, at a venue um, without having played any competitive golf at all. Um, and my particular concern with Tiger, I, again, uh, think it would be terrific if he was competitive. I would love very much for him to be on the leaderboard come Sunday. I don't have any evidence, and I'm hoping you do, that suggests that he has played this golf course other than when he arrived here a handful of days ago. No, I'm pretty sure that was his first look at it, and you're right. It's a, it's a little concerning as well. What also concerns me, and this looked to be a problem um, at uh, the U.S. Open, is, is just the weather. When you know he, when he wins, it seems like you know it's 80 degrees, or in Atlanta it was in the 90s. And uh, when he kind of struggles and looks like he's a little stiff, it's, you know, in the 60s or high 50s. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I also, though, however, I, I did, I remember last year I got all excited for his chances at Carnegie, and I wrote a piece that uh, the, the, the Open Championship, or sorry, the British Open, we'll call it today, uh, would be his best chance to win a major again. And, and he almost won at Carnegie. Yeah. So the, the, there's, I have two ways of thinking about it. We also, we did a piece recently on what, when it's a kind of an unknown venue, it yeah. does seem like it produces a strong, it, it pretty much just rules out um, a fluke more mm -hmm. than a known venue. And you get a guy like a tiger who can figure things out quicker than other people. So if if that, that would be what I would tell you um, if you, if you want to get your hopes up for tiger and I want to get my hopes up for tiger as well, believe me, uh, it would be that, okay, this is going to be pretty much an unknown course for everybody else. Tiger will be the guy who figures it out strategically, uh, mentally, uh, is able to work his way around this course and and uh, and get the job done. But but other than that, I mean, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm definitely um, haven't seen a lot from him. Nobody's seen a lot from him. He's taken all these weeks off, and, and certainly the last time he took this much time off in between events, he, he missed the cut at Bethpage. So um, it's going to be interesting to see. But I, obviously, the warmer the temps are, the better chance he has as well. Yeah, I like your point about his strategic capacity because I, I honestly believe that was the difference maker at the Masters. He he right. out-strategized everybody else on the back nine at the Masters right. and won the Masters because of it. And I think you're right that uh, it's not necessarily an enormous disadvantage for him to have not played this venue a lot because that will be true of the majority of the field. They're all going to be mm -hmm. arriving there. Now, we have had a couple of observations. Both Rory McIlroy and Adam Scott have talked about how easy it is to get into trouble off the tee, that they're encountering um, rough that is not sort yeah. of traditional open championship rough and that the fescue is is sort of cited in some places. And we both uh, observed that they've had rain in Northern Ireland, so um, right. the, the, they can grow the grass up. They can grow rough. The fescue is is prominent. I, hap I happen to think if I'm going to be a glass half full kind of guy about it, I like Tiger with driver out of his hands. I mean, yeah. uh, there are there are a couple of drivable par fours here, but for the most part, I, I like him getting around the golf course with something less than driver. What do you think? I, I agree. And, and right off the bat, it, it might be the most intimidating tee shot uh, of any major championship. Uh, the, the first hole of Royal Portrush has out-of-bound stakes down both sides. Uh, you don't see that often, and you really don't see that often in Lynx golf, where it's usually you know one side of the course you can just kind of not worry about. And the other side, you can hit it as far as you want. 
Um, so right off the bat, and we've seen Tiger on that first team many times, uh, you know, snipe one. Um, he, he's he's going to have to be very accurate, especially off that first tee. And so I, I agree with you. The, the more times um, he takes the driver out of his hand, uh, puts the ball in play, I think the better. Um, but then to work with that, he obviously doesn't want this to be a shootout. Um, and that's kind of Carnoustie last year was so interesting. He played such a conservative game plan and he kind of fell behind, but then it got tougher on the weekend. And that's kind of when he crept up the leaderboard. So, you know, he can't put himself too far behind the eight ball, but, but if it's not um, a total shootout this week, which I don't think it will be just because like you mentioned, the rough is going to be so thick and there will be some rain and wind to deal with um, that will help him. And that'll kind of help him uh, stay, stay within reach. Yeah. So we, we've, uh, now talked about Tiger Brooks and Rory. We got them all covered off. Let's let's talk yeah. about what well, you know. Uh, I'm gonna let this be our parting shot, as it were. Um, what what who's a name that we haven't talked about so far that you think deserves a little airplay here? Sure. Well, I mean, I think you're you're a Tommy Fleetwood guy. I'm I'm kind of feeling Tommy Fleetwood this this week, um, especially when you're looking at at uh, we're going down the odds a little more. Uh, I like him at twenty five to one. Uh, actually, I like a few guys this week. I mean, it's, it's interesting. You look at some of these odds. I'm actually a little perplexed. Uh, Jordan Spieth, I know he's had a ton of struggles, but he did almost win the last two British Opens. He won in 2017. He was in the final group last year before a rough day on Sunday at Carnoustie. He's 40 to 1. I mean, that's just wild to me, especially on these, you know, slower greens. I think he's really aggressive. He makes a lot of putts. Um, Adam Scott, 30 to 1. Ball striker. That's a Tommy Fleetwood, Adam Scott. Um, I like those guys. Um, and then you know you mentioned that stat before. And I'm glad you did about Brooks Kepka uh, having the most round letter colet since 2017. Number two on that list is Kevin Kisner. Uh, he was runner up here at, at Carnoustie last year. He's 125 to one. That just mm. seems a little off there. Um, and and one last guy. Sorry, five five guys I wanted to mention. Patrick Cantley, who we've obviously seen that name pop up on the leaderboard at the majors this year. He won the Memorial. He's 25 to one. He's actually second in strokes gained total to Rory this year. So he's having a, a fantastic year statistically. I like, I like, yeah. so those are, those are five guys that at least when you factor in the odds, who I think are, are, are pretty good value. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to stay away from Fleetwood, which means he's definitely going to have a great week. There um, you go. Okay, good. Because, yeah. <laughs> well, because he's, He's 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 three round Tommy this year, and he just hasn't been able. There's, been, there's always been one round. I had him uh, in in a prominent head to head against Jason Day at the PGA Championship, and he went out and shot eighty on me. So I, I oh. I've been a little little. Uh, I have some Tommy fatigue right now, but um, he does <laughs> play the links. He's a very good links player. He he is so far. Exactly. Hasn't been great at the Open Championship when they played at Lynx. I think his best finish is a T12, which was, right. was la- but, last but that year. Was last year. That was last yeah. year, yeah. So he's, That's right. He's, so, he's on the up a little. I, I I'm interested yeah. in, in your thoughts in one name. There's one guy that I'm kind of like okay. puzzled by, and his name is Justin Thomas. So Ooh. Homie was, was number one in the world inside the last yep. 12 months. And he, he also has a surprisingly distinguished 
uh, Link's background, he's not afraid to come over and play. I, and this is one of the things I admire about him. Um, he gets himself over to Europe and and plays in the, the Link's events. He's the only guy on the U.S. team in the in the most recently completed uh, Ryder Cup failure who went over to France and played at that venue. Um, uh, and so he's, he, I, I, I like that about him. He just played in the Scottish Open and had a top 10 mm-hmm. uh, in, in that event. And I believe he's currently available anywhere between 25 to 1 all the way up to, I have a book open right now with 33 to 1. That just wow. feels like a ton of value for a guy. Now, I know that the wrist injury has been the thing, but you know what's yeah. held him back so far since he's returned from that injury is his putting. And yeah. I love the observation you just made. The, they keep these greens slow over in mm-hmm. Europe. So, so you know, guys like Jordan Spieth and Justin Thomas, guys who who might be going through whatever putter putter putting sort of struggles they have. You don't have these six foot comebackers that are on glass where you feel like you know. At least that's that's the reputation. Typically, I don't know about Portrush because right. none of us know about Portrush. But right. you know, the, typically, you know, they're a little bit slower, so you can feel comfortable trying to bang the ball to the back of the hole. What do you think about Justin Thomas? Yeah, no, I mean, it. it he's an interesting guy, and, and it's funny because in my thirteen ranking, he was up there. I think he was in my top ten, and and I saw him at forty to one. I said at forty to one, that's just too tempting to pass up. Once he slid down to 25, I slid him just outside of, of the list uh, just because, again, um, at those odds, I'd rather go with those other guys that, that I mentioned. But, uh, yeah. no, it's it's a good point. The only thing, you know, his Open Championship uh, record, obviously, despite the fact that, like you said, he isn't afraid to go over to Europe and tee up um, a T-53 and two missed cuts, uh, you know, pretty brutal. So, you right. know, we talk about how the slow greens can, can help uh, bad putters or mask uh, putting struggles. There are some guys um, who just don't like putting on slow greens. And no matter what, that's just a, a tough thing for them. So I don't know if that's the case for him. I think it's still too small of a sample size, having just played in three opens so far. But that would be maybe the one thing I'm scared about. Um, but yeah, certainly if, once you get a 33 to 1 or above, um, you're talking right, a guy who's so recently ranked number one in the world, you know, that's pretty decent value, I'd say. Yeah, well, you talked me out of it. I'm not going to do that. I forgot right. the, the open his his open championship record. You you need a guy that's yeah. at least got a top ten in there um, with the, some that's of right. these trend lines that we're looking at. I need, I need him. Let's get, let him get a top ten, and then we can go ahead and and, and jump on the value play. All right, that's Alex good. Myers, what do you have coming up this week on GolfDigest.com? What should we be on the lookout for? Oh wow! Well, you know, we'll just wall to wall coverage of this event. Obviously, again, like, you know, I'll be even getting up early, and we'll have a live blog. We'll have, ah, uh, you know. Stuff pops up. There'll be there'll be plenty of stuff. We talked at the outset. We're always looking for shenanigans. It's a serious <laughs> week, but there'll still be some shenanigans. We'll, we'll be on the lookout, and uh, we'll, we'll have you covered. Well, I I know at a minimum, Phil ought to ought to give Phil, us Phil a couple things to, I mean, to look at. The, the fast, the fasting, everything else. It's a, you know, he mentioned he did a hard reset. I need to do a hard reset first of all, and, and lose some weight as well. I'm sure, we all could, but. Uh, Vegas did a hard reset on his odds. He went from fifty to one to a hundred to one. So obviously Vegas didn't really like like that. That he lost the weight. Uh, that's a that's a hard reset. All right, that is. <laughs> all right, Alex Myers. I have to call to your attention one fact about the performance of Odyssey Golf. The putters are killing it. Odyssey has won the putter count at every major this year on the PGA, LPGA, and Champions Tours and added another putter count win this week at both 
the Senior Players Championship, which is a major event on the Senior Tour, as well as the PGA Tour event this week at the John Deere. Dylan Fratelli winning with his Odyssey EXO. That's the EXO Stroke Lab Two Ball Putter. His putter designed like most of the Stroke Lab putters to promote maximum forgiveness from a premium multi-material construction. Odyssey led the field with 35 putters in play at the senior players. No other putter brand had more than 12 in the field. It is the most played putter on every major tour all season long. My friends, get yourself over to CallawayGolf.com and check out what Odyssey has to offer. Alex Myers, GolfDigest.com. Thanks for coming on today, my friend. Talk to you again soon. Thanks, House. Thanks for having me on, man. Take care. All right, for sure. All right, my thanks to Alex Myers. Hopefully, you are ready for some Open Championship golf. We're going to talk to Schusty in a minute. Before we get there, quick word from Zip Recruiter. Hiring used to be hard. Multiple job sites, stacks of resumes, confusing review process. But today, hiring can be easy. You only have to go one place to get it done. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash rolling. ZipRecruiter sends your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards. They don't stop there with powerful matching technology. ZipRecruiter is scanning thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience, and they invite them to directly apply to your job. ZipRecruiter is so effective that four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. Right now, listeners of Fairway Rolling can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address. ZipRecruiter.com slash Roland. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash R-O-L-L-I-N. ZipRecruiter.com slash Roland. ZipRecruiter is the smartest way to hire. My Eagle Enthusiast Today show also brought to us by our hungry homies at Snap Kitchen. Snap Kitchen makes healthy eating easy, delivering fresh, chef-crafted, dietitian approved meals right to your door. Eating out or planning, shopping, and prepping meals for the week is expensive and time-consuming, but with Snap, the meals are ready In about five minutes, these are fully conceived, fully executed meals that arrive at your door already prepared. And they start at just $5.99 per meal, $5.99 per meal. It's healthy eating made easy. So you can just do you. Snap's team of chefs and dietitians develop meals with well-sourced and high-quality ingredients, giving you a delicious well-balanced meal with no cooking needed. You just heat it up and you enjoy it. It's fun food with serious standards. Snaps meals are made without gluten, without artificial preservatives, without artificial colors or flavors, without antibiotics, and without hormones. The result is meals with incredible health benefits like reduced inflammation, clearer skin, better digestion, better sleep, improved mood, and increased energy. They offer plans for all types of dietary needs like keto, Whole30, paleo, vegetarian, vegan, high-protein, or low-carb lifestyles. I had occasion to try the delicious chicken piccata 
from Snap Kitchen. And it was so fresh. The ingredients were so perfectly composed. The execution was so nicely assembled. And I love the portion size. It was just enough to push off all of the hunger to the next meal. You can get yourself started at snapkitchen.com and use promo code FAIRWAY to save $20 a week on your first four weeks. That's snapkitchen.com, promo code FAIRWAY for $80 off. Snapkitchen.com, do it today. And now on the tee, from the USA, Megan Schuster. Yo, Schusty, what's happening? House, are you ready to wake up at 4 a.m. this week? Because I certainly am. 4 a.m.? I'm, I'm going to be working the, you know, I want the 2 a.m. I know that they have <laughs> the Golf Channel, uh, I think Thursday, they, they come on at like 1.30 or something. It's just spectacular. The middle of the night golf viewing these are these are two nights the thursday and friday i'm on the couch in my house and it's, it doesn't have anything to do with being in trouble with my my uh my household it has everything to do with dozing off and then just waking up as i naturally will in the <laughs> middle of the night and the and and seeing the lush green royal port rush golf club in front of me and catching half an hour and the, the dulcet tones of Mike Tirico or whoever mm. else they have on the mic. And then I can fade right back down, catch, get my, my next two or three hours of, of uh, shut eye taken care of. And then wake up and see what the leaderboard looks like, have a little breakfast and mm-hmm. then just en- enjoy this thing. It's, it's a, just one of my very favorite traditions of all. Yes, I agree. I'm going to have to see if the ringer will give me a special dispensation for Thursday and Friday to uh, kind of shift my schedule around a little bit. But I, too, am very, very much looking forward to this weekend. Well, it's a it's a work from home for you. I think that's yeah. that's we, <laughs> we we have to talk to the boss. Well, maybe the Podfather can understand the work from home. Hopefully, uh, angle. So I wanted to begin with um, calling everybody's attention to your story. Uh, not not that they haven't already seen it, but um, I think it's very uh, timely and poignant to remind folks of your story from June. Brooks Kepka is appointment viewing now this was all right <laughs> at the, the the heels of his performance at the u.s open um where he gave you know the 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 singularly most dramatic round of that sunday that mm-hmm. father's day sunday yes uh came out of the the, the kepka um and i just chatted with alex myers from from golf digest and the two of us just can't come up with a reason not to pick brooks kepka this week. What do you think? Are we crazy? No, you're not crazy at all. I, my pick for this week, uh, but this is purely because I want amazing things for him and think this could be a good venue for him is, uh, Tommy Fleetwood, but that is my completely biased choice. And I think if I was going to pick a second person, I would have to pick Brooks. It's we're at this point now where you really can't bet against him in a major championship. Like he can take on any sort of venue. Like his game is not limited toward just the big, long driving courses. Like we thought, you know, maybe after Aaron Hills, he's really adapted and he could play anywhere at any time. Well, and and on that note, we, uh, this chat with Alex Myers, we were reminded and we shared with everybody this important reminder, his caddy 
is a member mm-hmm. at Royal Portrush. Yes, His he is. His caddy has, has grown up playing at Royal Portrush. Nobody knows Royal Portrush, even with the changed holes and everything. Mm-hmm. Like, if you want to show up at a venue with a head start on, like, okay, I'm, I can't see where I'm aiming from here. Tell me, show me something on the horizon that I should be aiming at and give me a yardage. His caddy is going to be able to do that. I mean, it just feels like an enormous advantage. Yeah, it's truly like the ultimate home field advantage. Like you said, especially for a course that's not in the typical rotation that they haven't played at in, what, 60 years, 65 right. years. Yes. Um, so that is really, really just like an ace in his back pocket to have that along with, you know, his typical major f- championship form. Right, ex- exactly. So, uh we have a few things to to touch base as we enter. This is the Monday of Open Championship week, and, and there will be uh, certainly some noteworthy uh, developments on the golf, golf social scene, mm-hmm. um, but we've already had a pretty rich run-up here. We had Tiger Woods. We talked about him waking up at 1 in the morning last <laughs> yes. week. I wish he was waking up at 1 you know, in the morning uh, to go play golf uh, at Royal Portrush. I mean, I if he's going to do that and take video of it, I don't know why he didn't just fly himself to Northern Ireland right. and, do, and do it there and play the golf course and get used to it. Because I don't think Joe LaCava has a ton of experience at Royal Portrush. But <laughs> I'm never, far be it from me to ever doubt the preparation of Tiger Eldrick Tiger Woods. Um, and and then since then, a couple more uh, little developments. Our good pal, our A number one, Phil Mickelson, uh, reappeared on the social scene. Yes, very briefly. Uh, he posted a video Sunday to Twitter to explain why he hasn't been posting as much lately. And by as much, we mean like, what, three times a week? Three videos right. a week? Like, yes. It's been a, a, a quote-unquote drought for Phil, which basically means he hasn't posted in about a week. Um, but so he opened the video by saying he hadn't been feeling great about his swing. His confidence had been low on the course. So he'd been staying off social media to try and right the ship, which sort of makes sense. He's currently 120th in strokes gained T to green. 145th in putting, and he hasn't had a better finish than tied for 52 since the Masters. So I fully fully support him trying to right the ship. Uh, He said that he has gone through a, quote, hard reset over the last 10 days to ready himself for the Open Championship, in which he lost 15 pounds, House, and did a six-day fast where he drank water and a, quote, special coffee blend, and he also went on a retreat. What do you think about his whole reshaping, refocusing self. I have to tell you, my first reaction was that this was a put on and the whole thing was made up bullshit. Whoa. (laughs) I don't believe a word of it. I didn't, I didn't believe a word of it. And I still kind of don't like, if you look at him in his plain black t-shirt, 15 pounds. Did he have 15 pounds to lose and still keep that belly? Like he, he wasn't, he's not giant. He's a, he's a big man, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. but he, he wasn't appearing over the course of this season as though he was like trending towards, at least to my eye, uh, you know, a, a, a bulging pants. You know, I didn't really see a belly overhang mm-hmm. anywhere along the way. He just kept up his sort of, you know, larger middle-aged man uh uh you know the daddy bump is what i'll (laughs) i'll I'll, I'll call it uh 
So he got on camera and said that he lost 15 pounds. 15 pounds is, is a lot for, for anybody. Yes. Uh, and But the, the bump was still bumping. I mean, it, it, <laughs> I don't know. My, was that a misread? I will say, I feel like in tournaments, Phil is prone to wearing sort of the looser polo fits than some of the other guys. So, and in this video, his shirt was more of like that dry fit kind of material that is a little bit more fitted. So I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt. I will also say, though, that 15 pounds is a heck of a lot to lose in 10 days. Like, that's that's really crazy. And I don't love the whole... Um, let me get there by doing a water juice cleanse. Like that sounds like stuff that girls in my sorority used to do to like try to lose weight before formal, which never ended very well. Um, so I am slightly concerned about such a dramatic weight loss for Phil, but I am cautiously optimistic that if he's feeling well about where he's at, that hopefully that is actually the case. Well, I, I think it's fine, um, for him to be conscious. I think it's, it's great to sort of take, his poor play and turn it into a, a sort of, you know, this is how I'm going to flip this, this narrative. I'm going to like control this and, and hard reset is just glorious. I so absolutely good. love the idea of a hard reset. And he could have done all of those things, both in terms of his practice and in terms of his diet without the insane, ridiculous, uh, water diet and 15 pounds and all of that, because right. we, we, we just went through this with Brooks Kepka who really did go on a, a calorie deprivation kind of diet and really did lose 18 pounds over like two months mm-hmm. and really did lose yardage and, 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 uh, concurrently seemed like some accuracy as well. Cause he sucked at the players championship when I had him on my, on my fence <laughs> team. Uh, but you know, there was, there was, he was physically out of sorts so much so that he went to a blood doctor to get the diagnosis to make sure that he hadn't, you know, taking anything on so i'm Mm -hmm. i'm calling bullshit on the like the actual like this is what he did as part of his hard reset thing yeah but i do think uh hopefully he's gone he's done some refreshing that he's fresh of mind fresh of body there definitely has been a turn in his spirit at the british open he Mm -hmm. has become you know since his 2013 win uh, at Muirfield and then, you know, the, the battle at Royal Troon, one of the all time great head to head matchups with, with Henrik Stenson in, in 16. I mean, that, 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 that's, he has become a, a, a true lover of the open championship and the links and the folks, uh, in the UK have, have really grown to embrace him. So hopefully there's a refresh, uh, right around the corner. Hopefully the hard reset will pay some dividends. We want to see him play golf on Sunday, Schusty. We do. We do. And I, the part of his video that I did appreciate was that he said he went on like a little personal retreat. And I think that that was a good decision for him. I think, um, just, you know, spending some time examining, self-examining is always great. And, uh, hopefully that, yeah, like you said, pays dividends this weekend. Okay. Fingers crossed for, for, for no fucks, Phil. Yes. Yes. What else do we got? We, we know it's, it's, uh, uh, the, the last major championship of the season, which mm-hmm. means the last opportunity for these guys to put on something interesting. Now I, I, I do want to go off on a quick tangent with you. Did you watch any of the American city event, this, uh, celebrity event that's competed in, uh, Tahoe? Uh, at a golf course uh, there, it uh, you know made for TV kind of thing. Did you watch any of that this weekend? I saw a few photos, but I missed most of the actual tournament. 
Well, you, seeing the photos uh, is enough because I think you will um, be able to to uh, help along the the point I want to make here. A lot of the guys have relationships with with clothing clothing manufacturers. Yes. Steph obviously is an Under Armour guy. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a bunch of Nike guys uh, out there, um, and then you know the guys. A lot of folks. Justin Timberlake was paying extra close attention. I'm not sure. Who he was wearing? It looked like it might have been Grayson or G Four or somebody. Mm-hmm. But you know, um, a lot of guys paying close attention to their to their kit, to their outfit, to their peer, knowing they're going to be on television for Christ's sakes. And then one guy stood out by contra the distinction. Uh, he ended up kicking everybody's ass because he's basically <laughs> a, a professional golfer these days. Did you see what Tony Romo wore? On television on Saturday and Sunday? Yeah, not not great. Uh the whole like bumblebee stripe shirts. Is that what you're talking and, about? Well, and 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 he had a monotone blue look yes. yesterday. And he had some version of the red and black tiger combo on on Saturday. Now this I don't I didn't do the research to see if he has a clothing deal with Skechers. We know he has a shoe deal with Skechers. And that's fine, and it's the commercials are funny. They're very tongue in cheek, mm-hmm. as has become the Skechers' way. But his clothes sucked. He looked like a frumpy dumpy, you know, out there uh, that that you might run into somebody trying a smidge too hard, but with with you know clothing styles and and fits mm-hmm. that that were like two eras ago. Yeah, so it looks like he wore Nike um, those days, which is somewhat surprising to me because I've been pretty impressed with their scripting throughout this major season. Um, so I don't, yeah, I don't know if he bought like last season stuff off the rack at like a Dick Sporting <laughs> Goods for this event or what, like if now that he's not an NFL player, he can't get like the current looks. But uh, yeah, this whole red gradient striped shirt is uh, really Poor choice, and yeah, that uh, navy and blue combo from yesterday is uh, not the look you want when you're being photographed as a champion. Now the thing is, like, he can wear wherever the f he wants because he kicked everybody's ass. He didn't even <laughs> play outstanding, but he's so good at golf now, and he gets so much opportunity to play. Right? Um, you know, it was kind of fun to watch. But I, I mean, dude, you you know you're you you intend to go win this thing. Dress like a champion, Tony Romo. That, that's that's my advice. That's my only comment and observation on that one. I would like to give that same advice to many of the players on the pro players on tour this year. Okay, um, especially those who are currently sponsored by Adidas. And I know we've ragged on them um, quite a bit so far this year on the podcast. And I remain unimpressed with their scripting for the Open Championship. <laughs> okay. It's tough. Um, I, I'll say that I think Dustin Johnson's look is fine. It's basically what we've come to expect from him. Very little in the way of color pop. There's like a little bit of blue thrown in there. It's, you know, pretty classic DJ and that's fine. I'm okay with it. Xander at least has a little bit of like a coral color for Thursday and kept it pretty simple the rest of the days. But uh, Sergio has some super weird, um, almost like computer line gradient pro. Like it just looks so strange for Thursday and Friday, and then Saturday and Sunday has these awful, awful color block shirts. So, so yeah, the the Sergio thing is in particular. He, he I don't know how it happens or why it happens because the Spanish are in in general, just to to grossly overgeneralize, <laughs> are well dressed people. Like I I've just, just came back from two weeks in Spain house and I will agree with you. Yes. That's both, both the men and the women. They, they know how to be handsome. They, yes. they, 
um, dressed for the occasion. They like to be seen out and about. Nobody's in in uh, uh, you know denim sh- shorts or or you know cargo pants or anything like that. They 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 dress to impress by and large, <laughs> and he yet he chooses color schemes with his. It has to be his team that are so out there i just don't like i'll never forgive the all yellow that he had a handful of years ago no and i will say that i read that these adidas polos that they're unveiling are sort of where the company is going for it's like winterish look so maybe these are just like sort of the test cases uh to try and promote that line so maybe they really didn't have too much say over it but i would like to think that Sergio could object to some of these color matchings because Saturday's navy and gray combo is really uninspiring. I mean, step it up. We're, this is the last major of the season. Yes, fully All agree. All right, so who who else do we got? Um, we also have Justin Rose, who, uh, with his Bonobos outfit, uh, they've been pretty impressive throughout most of the year. These ones uh, I'm not super thrilled by. They're pretty much sticking to the black and navy and white uh, combinations. He has at least some interesting pattern shirts for Saturday and Sunday. Um, but, uh, yeah, pretty, I'm pretty, pretty standard. I, I'm a Bonobo supporter. I like their 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 golf stuff. I had a lot, a lot of their pants. There's crazy comfortable pants. Um, I've I've wanted Justin Rose to get, like, one half step um, – more fashion forward. Mm-hmm. It does feel like just a hair too down the middle um, for me because the, the the you can get really creative with the bonobos. Yeah, I sort of felt like we were trending that direction earlier this year at the PGA and then the U.S. Open, and now it seems like they've sort of reined it back in. I'm not sure if that's because it's the Open Championship specifically or if this is just sort of where their line is headed directionally, but uh, I thought he was really close to where we wanted him to be earlier, and now it's sort of been toned down, but yeah, agree with you. Um, and then we have Ricky Fowler, who is going with some navy and green kind of combo this weekend, which I'm also okay with. Yeah, so uh, I am I haven't had a chance to look, but I want to tell you this, Shusty. I have as uh, an outside... Uh, bet of mine, a guy mm. that 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 I'm gonna go ahead and play some money on this week. His name is Ricky Fowler. Okay. Uh, I just feel like, um, in terms of n- narrative, uh, obviously Rory is at the tippy top of of every storyboard, and Graham McDowell is right there uh, alongside with him. But I do think if there was a time for you know a guy that's been around the hoop quite a bit. Uh, but never broken through to come out and make make that statement. It's Ricky, and Ricky's got you know pretty great um, links record, mm-hmm. and you know we're we're wondering about a venue that nobody's played. It's potentially being uh, kind of a an, an equalizer. Uh, so I'm interested in seeing his Sunday outfit and whether or not I like his Sunday outfit with the claret jug. Yes. Uh, what, what's your opinion of that? I think it would look great next to the claret jug, personally, and also. To your point, I saw he posted a few Instagram stories this morning from his practice round. He was playing with Tiger. He posted a shot of him hitting, I think it was a nine iron into 18, and was just talking about how excited he was, how cool the venue looked, how amazing, you know, that walk up to 18, the 18th green was. And he seemed really loose house and was really looking forward to playing this weekend. So uh, I support your pick. Uh, and and, and I, I'll put you uh, on the spot. 
in a second. This is the Monday edition. This is the Monday preview edition of Open Championship Week here at Fairway Roll. And so that will be my epic flash pick of the week. Schusty, the epic flash continues to kick ass and take names. None, none other than the most recent PGA Tour winner, Dylan Fratelli, out there in uh, uh, the Quad Cities at the John Deere, taking everybody down with his epic flash Sub-Zero driver, Epic Flash, continues to lead the count across the PGA Tour of players putting this weapon into use. And it is the first driver developed with artificial intelligence and machine learning. Two things that are would be very helpful to my wagering strategy if only I could convince Callaway to help me out, Schusty. <laughs> That would be nice, right? To get that intel. Yes, yes it really would be. <laughs> that would be amazing. So what else do we got? Um, well, I just wanted to briefly say that Nike has not released their scripting yet. So we don't know what, you know, Tor Rory and Tiger are going to wear as of this podcast recording. But I will say that journalist Peter Bukowski tweeted at you and me after our U.S. Open preview with some Nike scripting intel Oh. And he said that he had talked to the Nike apparel people and said that they, in part, built their open championship theme around Rory. So okay. when those scripts do get released, it'll be really interesting. Uh, we'll have to share thoughts offline, I suppose. But Oh, we can do it online. We can do it on the, on, the, on the Twitter machine. We're yes. allowed to talk to each other on the Twitter. Yes, very we can, true. We can invite Peter to join us. It'd, It'd be, be great. I, I enjoy that very much. Yes. I bet there'll be green. My guess is there'll be green in the color scheme. I, I would think that's probably a safe bet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Schusty, do you have a pick? Do you have your own epic flash pick of the week? Um, I think I'm going to go out on a minor limb here and pick uh, my boy Tommy Fleetwood at 25 Oh, you, to you, one. you mentioned Tommy. You're loving him. Yes. I, I My problem with Tommy, he's been three-round Tommy this year. Mm. Uh, he just can't string four together, but he's got a great um, – Link's uh, resume. Mm -hmm. uh, we Alex Myers and I were comparing notes on this. The only thing he hasn't done is play great at the Open Championship. Last year was his first uh, top fifteen finish. He finished tied twelfth. But maybe uh, th this is the the trend line. We know that he's comfortable playing this style of golf. Um, so I I I, uh, I can't quibble with your selection. I'm just going to stay away from it. That's all. That's fine. That's okay. Yeah. More for me. <laughs> Schusty, before we go, I have to share with you travel plans lined up. I'm going down to Memphis, Tennessee. We're going to visit our good pal, our mutual buddy, Chris Vernon, Memphis, the native son down there in Memphis, because right after the, 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 the British Open is concluded, the top 50 in the world are getting on airplanes and flying directly to Memphis, Tennessee to compete in the WGC St. Jude Invitational, the last WGC event of this uh, of this season, uh, and I want you to help me root for somebody. Who is that? I have this this on good sources that there's some decent fried chicken down there in in, uh, in Memphis, Tennessee. In mm -hmm. fact, mm -hmm. we we we've we've told the tale. We've done some regaling of it. Gus's fried chicken, the world famous Gus's fried chicken, emanates from Mason, Tennessee. But now there are three or four different. Uh, venues down there and i have designs on going down there schusty and in, not only am i going to enjoy the gus's world famous fried chicken but i have an invitation extended to none other than thailand's native son kiradek affy barnrat 
<laughs> no way, really? Yeah. So, so Kiradek, uh, I've been told, has never tried Gus's World Famous, and uh, I haven't tried it either. Verno is going to host us, and we're going to go down and and uh, as part of Kiradek's preparation for his his week down there at the <laughs> WGC event, it feels like if we can get him like thinking local thoughts and, and if we can really channel his his inner um memphis his inner tennessee uh action we're going to try and do that with this fried chicken we're going to break bread we're going to enjoy some from fried chicken together but i need we both need one thing <laughs> out of kiradek and it's and it's this only the top 50 players in the world are invited to this event shusty Guess what number in the world Kiradek Happy Barn Rat is right now? Oh, no. What is it? 51. <laughs> <laughs> so let's get everybody. We need everybody on the fairway rolling to, to help get some mojo rolling. We need positive, the power of positive thinking for Kiradek. All the good vibes. All, All the good the, vibes. The very best vibes. Because let, let, let's be honest. Everybody wants to see Kiradek and I eat some fried chicken, right? Obviously. Think of, think? think of the content, guys. This think is of, it. <laughs> think of all of the the marvelous videos and podcasts we could get out of you and Kiradek eating. It doesn't. Chicken. It doesn't cost anybody to think good thoughts about Kiradek Effie Barn, right? We're not. That's not a heavy ask. I don't no. think we're we're going for here. No. Well, it's it's going to be very fun next week. Me and Verno will be together for the uh, open recap Sunday afternoon, uh, and then I'm going to join him on the Chris Vernon show, which is available online. Uh, both Monday and Tuesday. And if we're lucky, we'll have Kiradek and go have some fried chicken uh, together Tuesday afternoon. And, and uh, it'll be a, a damn fine time down there in Memphis, Tennessee. Amazing. I personally will be sending out all of the positive vibes to Kiradek. And I hope in the future to be able to hear all about your guys' outing together. You're the very best. Thank you, Shusty. All right, my Eagle enthusiasts, there you go. Your open championship preview. I think we got all the storylines. We've got some important names treated there. We'll see how our mind changes, if it changes, between now and the next preview show we have going up midday Wednesday. Justin Ray is coming on board. He, You know him from the 15th Club. All of his beautiful strategic thinking about how guys are going to perform and what attributes matter most. And of course, our buddy, our good buddy, Chris Vernon, will be on to do his Epic Flash pick of the week and break down all the angles of how we're going to allocate a little capital. That's midday Wednesday. That show will be up. And then we'll have a recap show right after the Claret Jug is hoisted. Me and Verno will be together in Memphis, Tennessee. And we're going to compare notes on that winner. I know it's going to be a good one. Until Wednesday, my birdie buddies, hit it straight out there. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now.